podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so everything's a little different this week with no Tom and there's also recording technically when the game week isn't over but there's still plenty to digest on the back of that Chelsea win and that Aguero hat-trick slash Sane no-show which left um, plenty of people seething. So I'm joined by FPL Stag this week who's, who's playing the Nick role of being the calm collected one who kept faith in Hazard whilst I play the mad scientist Tom role as I shifted things up last minute transferring out Hazard for Sane. What a terrible move that was. So Stag, Anthony, how are you today? Absolutely delighted to be on, Nick. Thank you for having me. I'm actually uh, pretty great. Um, after the first few weeks, I seem to have recorrected my team somewhat, and so I'm back on an upward trajectory. So um, it was nice to finally enjoy a hazard troll rather than actually suffer from it, and it was nice to Captain Aguero as well this game week so far. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah, just to say uh, quickly, of course, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and use Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe. This game week, we're going to be discussing plans and strategies for the next couple of game weeks, looking at the teams and players, who is essential and who we can live without. We'll also be assessing some of the new names, which are not really that many of, to be honest, in terms of viable FPL assets that joined in the January transfer window and, and looking at them as, as prospects. So we're going to do a little bit of prospect into prospects. Yeah, sounds great, Nick. And thanks very much for the questions this week, everyone. So let's start with the game week reviews. The game week isn't quite over with as City have another game to go. But Nick, how are you getting on so far and what happened to you over the weekend? So, yeah, it wasn't um, wasn't great for me. I mean, to be honest, when I actually look at my score, it's pretty reasonable. I'm on 58 points. Um, I've still got three Manchester City players to play, including my captain, um, Raheem Sterling. Whether he starts or not is is another question, um, considering Pep's uh, rotation policy. But uh, it, it could have been a lot better, to be honest. If I hadn't done that last-minute move of Sane um, for Hazard, I'd be on 73 right now, and I'd be a lot happier. And also, if I had Aguero, which I don't have Aguero, I'd obviously be a lot happier because you, you've, I've been online, I've been on Twitter. A lot of people showing these sort of triple-figure scores, and I'm just looking at those very jealously, you know, thinking what could have been if I stuck with Hazard and even looked at Aguero as an option, but I didn't, unfortunately. But um, I still managed to get three assists, essentially, from the Aguero hat-trick, from Laporte, and a couple from Sterling, who was my captain. You know, so it, it's, it was okay in that regard. But, yeah, not great to see um, Hazard do so well and Aguero also do so well. But um, how about yourself then, Stag? It's been a pretty contrasting story for myself. Um, I'm very happy with the game week, as I alluded to, with Captain Aguero towing my team forward uh, with 34 points. So he actually had been one of my transfers in this game week for Aubameyang, so that was a beautiful swap. And Shane Duffy also came in for the suspended Lucas Dean. That also worked out quite well. I had two free transfers, so there wasn't even a cost attached to those. So I'm actually on 91 points as it stands after the Liverpool game with both Robertson and Salah blanking in that for me. So basically what I ended up with, I have Ben Foster in goals. I've been stuck with him for months now as my only goalkeeper until I got one of his um, very rare uh, returns this game week. And then Shane Duffy, Obi-Wan and Doherty brought home points for me. Midfield, I had both Pogba and Hazard. Um, I had Sané sitting there um, not playing but I'm hoping he will come on on Wednesday to at least spurn those who actually have captained him. And I have Marcus Rashford up front too, so there was some nice points there. So pretty good going. 
Yeah, sounds pretty brilliant. I think we were pretty um, closely placed actually a couple of game weeks ago in our mini league, but you've you've really left me in the lurch actually just uh, this week and the, and the week before. I think the week before was a real shocker for me, ending up with 28 points and glad we didn't have to pod after that one because I was feeling a bit a bit blue, a bit depressed, especially having uh, benched David Brooks who, would have, who got virtually half my points with 12 on the bench and then he got injured as well, so I didn't even play him against Cardiff, which was my original plan with David Brooks. So, yeah, it's not it's not been great with my team. It's it's been a bit of a shocker to be honest. We'll move on swiftly. Um, perhaps not time to see can destroy my team, but uh, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see where we're going with this. Anyway, let's let's talk about the uh, the teams. Um, so we're going to start with um, Manchester City. So yeah, Manchester City. They've obviously had this double game week. So a lot of us are now loaded up on City players. Um, myself, I, I actually went for the triple up, bringing in Laporte and Sane this game week. And now I'm thinking about disinvesting quite quickly uh, with them, considering the fixture run and the blank. But um, City have Chelsea up next, which is a tough game. Then a blank, and then the fixtures actually start to improve again with um, West Ham, uh, Bournemouth, and Watford. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk a li- little bit about our strategies for the for the next few game weeks. Um, and how we're going to navigate the blank as well. We're only going to look at really at the next five fixtures for each of the big teams. Um, we're going to have a Ben Credin on the pod actually in a few game weeks to discuss the wider doubles and blank strategy. So whilst we'll play a little bit of lip service in terms of, you know, the future planning, we're, we're only really focusing up until uh, game week 31 for now. So anyway, with Manchester City, uh, what are your thoughts on the players? Is it time to disinvest? What are your hopes for the Everton fixture as well, Stag? Yeah, so what I'm thinking about doing is getting pretty swifty with my own team and actually letting Sergio Aguero go in spite of him just scoring a hat-trick after this game week and complete a full of boomerang and bring Aubameyang back in for his game at Huddersfield this coming weekend. That'll be the second time this season that I've sold a hat-trick scorer. I sold Salah as well after game week 16. Hopefully it goes better than that because he went on to score 12 in three consecutive game weeks after one blank and really, really punished me. So hopefully that doesn't quite happen. So yeah, I'll be looking at definitely selling him. The only other player that I hold from City right now is Leroy Sané. I will at least give him Wednesday before I make any big decisions to do with him. As it stands for the Everton game, my hopes for him are just to come on and play, maybe get a point, get two points. The fact of the matter is that um, from a tactical point of view, he has an effective ownership of 105.81% in the top 10k at the moment. So I'll steal a real mark to my rival if he completely fails. Um, I also need Sterling to stay quiet and City to lose their clean sheet in that game. Hoping for nothing to entertain anybody on Wednesday. So, yeah, Aguero gets a hat-trick and straight away you're saying to him, hit the sack, Jack, and uh, uh, clearing him out. That's that's quite brave. But, I mean, with Aguero, he's an interesting one for sure. 11.4 million is a lot of money to be spending on the forwards, even though, you know, Aguero often makes it worth the money, especially when he gets these hat-tricks, which he can do every season and has constantly proved himself to be a brilliant FPO asset. But you've also got that risk of uh, Gabriel Jesus, who's uh, clearly chomping at the bit for more game time. Obviously, obviously, for non-owners, I don't really think he's a player that I would consider to bring in at this moment in time with the fixture run. It's, it's not time to bring him in, but he's getting a chance every 20.4 minutes, which is better than any other forward in the game. I would be tempted to perhaps uh, keep him for the Chelsea game, though I understand your strategies behind um you know, selling him and, and what that does for the rest of your team, the options that it presents. Um, uh, for myself, I've got Sterling and I've also got Sane and I am thinking about getting rid of one of them actually this game week, uh, mainly so I can bring in uh, Min Son. It's tough really to decide which one to get rid of and I'm, I'm not going to make a decision or, or say which one at this moment in time because 
it varies and it obviously we've got the Everton just still to come and it can it could be all changed at the end of that game you know the Sane captainers could have the last laugh potentially so yeah. we, we don't we don't know for certain and and it is worth saying that like a lot of people have tried to predict um who Pep's going to play you know a lot of people said oh Sane's definitely going to play these games he's played the last 10 in a row it is guaranteed that he's going to play because Benjamin Mendy isn't fit we you know people were even expecting Danilo to play in that left back slot and he didn't play either the only person at the end of the day that knows the team sheet is Pep and and we can all say oh we think so 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 going to play Sterling's going to play Aguero's going to play or you know, Sane is definitely going to play, but the fact of the matter is, we don't know. We we, we just have to kind of wait and see, and, and that's the risk that you take often with these Manchester City assets. Is you know they're really good value for money when when they do well and they score, but they can easily miss out a game, and that's why I'm I'm thinking about selling one for sure, especially with this blank coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Like I can definitely see why you're looking at Sane and Sterling and saying, "Show me what you've got to them uh, on Wednesday and maybe beyond that before you make any big decisions." Let's say Sane, who is in my team, and when I'm, you know, when I even considered Sterling ahead of this game week, I kind of thought about the fact that look, they've game week twenty six, they've got Chelsea, then you've got the first leg of the Champions League against Schalke, you've got a League Cup final where they're blanking, then you've got a game against West Ham. Ugh, it, it, it's a very, very, very busy time for them. And I'm just thinking, okay, if there's any time to be outside of the city assets, now is the time to be outside of them. I'd also, in the case of Ray Sterling, be quite worried by the fact that he's started all six since game week 20. And that's a big red flag for me for Wednesday night and maybe beyond that if he does play on Wednesday. And the fact of the matter is as well with Sterling is that he's just got one goal since game week 20 and he's had just seven shots in the box in that time. Like the likes of Dilva and Sergio Aguero both have more than him in less time played and Sane and Kevin De Bruyne also have a better like shots per minute ratios than him. I think if you'd, if you'd read my column last week to shamelessly plug, I had kind of pointed out that Sterling was actually has become a real provider for Sergio Aguero in that team, whereas Aguero has become even more important as the goal scorer in chief in that side. There was a stage there, I remember, where we didn't know which City attacker was actually going to be providing their goals. I think it's become much more consistently Aguero in recent times. I'm not sure what sort of tactical change has brought that about or if that's a dip in form in the others. Uh, you can certainly see if you look at heat maps that uh, that Raheem Sterling has actually pulled back further on his wing than he was in, let's say, the early game weeks in the season. And I think that's an important thing to consider. Yeah, definitely. I think he, he he has been really good again this season. He's also got the most penalty box touches for all midfielders with 201. Um, he's got 10 goals to his name and that sort of involvement. He's always going to remain a threat um, to get goals and assists. Um, we had a question from Clapper and Gil, actually, who said, um, who's the biggest troll, um, Hazard or Pep? And, and with the focus on on Pep for this moment in time, I, I do feel sorry for those who, who, saw, who brought in Sane, like myself, who, those who actually triple capped in Sane and there's a lot of them out there um you know like I said the Everton game still is to play so it potentially could come good but I think you know at the end of the day the decision made sense to a certain extent to go with this guy um I mean Manchester City stats in general have been brilliant this season They're, for goal attempts they've had 433 which is more than um, any other team and also all of Manchester City's uh, goals this game week uh, came down the left-hand side everyone 
um, had an idea that Lichtenstein would um, would play for Arsenal, and he's been absolutely horrendous. To be honest, um, they're really struggling in that right back uh, berth with the uh, with Bellerin out, and yeah, all the goals came from that left hand side. So Sane could have easily got three assists um, in that game week. Uh, instead, um, wasn't too bad for myself because I still managed to get three assists from the Port and Sterling. But I think um, Sane owners really missed out on some points just in that game week, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely, and I actually. I think that I was, I think, pulled up on match of the day is just how vulnerable to set pieces Marco Silva's Everton side are and how Marco Silva's uh, previous Premier League sides have been similarly disposed as well. And I think for the likes of yourself, Nick, with Emmerich Laporte, that could be a very interesting prospect on Wednesday. And perhaps for people like myself with the Roisane as well, delivering set pieces, there might be um, a goal to get from a set piece or maybe even two. Yeah, definitely. And we'll have to see who starts, though, because I've just got a feeling that it could be like a totally different 11. We, we might see John Stones and company and Danilo all, all playing and, and Fabian Delph or, or who knows. what. Phil Foden hat-trick. Yeah, Foden hat-trick, perhaps. Who knows what's going to happen in, in uh, the Everton game. As, as Pep brings out his rotating Mares as well, of course, Mares, um, I think he only got about 10 minutes in that last game. He could easily start as well with Gabriel Jesus and you know, everyone could be screaming blue bit. But uh, well, it remains to be seen, and like like I said, we, we don't know. We don't know, and we're not going to profess to know either who, who uh, Pep's going to play. But um, we can only uh, kind of give suggestions in terms of which Manchester City assets we think are the best ones to own. Anyway, so so moving on from Manchester City, I think um, it's clear at the moment that we're all kind of quite heavily invested in in that team, but we're looking to sell off in in regards to blanks. Uh, but you know, the teams perhaps we're looking at maybe in terms of in, investing in now again are Spurs and um, Arsenal, and and starting with Spurs. They've got quite a nice run, you know, a couple of tricky fixtures, but up next it's Leicester for them. Then they've got Burnley, uh, Chelsea and Arsenal and then Southampton. No Harry Kane at the moment and no Deli Alley. And, but, uh, you know, there is Hung Min Son and he, he really has stepped up as their talisman, hasn't he? Um, in the absence of Kane and Alley and um, with seven goals in seven, I think he, he's looking pretty essential um, as a player to bring into our teams, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And I think with Son as well, like to almost say a cliche, his classification as a midfielder is doing him massive favours at the moment, especially with Harry Kane absent. Like he's had five double figure hauls now in his last 10 game weeks. And that includes one absence while he was away at the Asian Cup in that period, scoring seven goals and getting up four assists as well. Okay, we can go list off his underlying stats at the moment over the course of five, 10 game weeks, but that actually isn't really all that useful because we don't have that much to work with when Harry Kane wasn't around. But if you look at, let's say, the last two games since he returned from the Asian Cup where he was apparently fatigued etc the fact of the matter is still is that he was still the top shooter for Spurs in that time although interestingly Llorente had twice as many more shots in the box and an XG four times better than San over those Newcastle and Watford games now does that mean that I'm recommending that you bring Llorente into your team um, no it doesn't uh, San is definitely the, uh, the best player in that team by a country mile at the moment from an FPL point of view and there's a reason why people are talking about him now as a player of the year prospect yeah, certainly. I think when if you were to compare Son and Lorente, for instance, you know you know that Son has a world in his locker. He can shoot from outside the box and, and score it, whilst Lorente, he might have a high XG, but he has this sort of tendency of, of getting his head on it and it ending up going wide. So uh, that's the comparison between the two players. And, and when you compare them as players as well as FPL prospects, there's only one winner, and that is Hunmin Son. Um, and he's certainly the one that... I'm looking to bring in perhaps the main man, really, in terms of who I'm bringing in as a, a replacement for Sterling slash Sane. Um, yeah, and like you said, his, his underlying stats, we could list them off. But, you know, 
50 goal attempts, 10 goals to his name. He's, he's right up there with the top midfielders and, and deserved to be so. And in 8.7 million, he's actually quite affordable as well. So, you know, I think there's quite a big rush um, for people to, to bring in Son. But um, aside from Son, who's obviously the key guy that we're, we're talking about and looking at Spurs, um, do you think there are any other assets um, out there that are worth considering? Maybe one of the defenders, perhaps? I don't actually. Um, I know that will be uh, tough for you as a Spurs fan, Nick. But <laughs> there's no cheap entry route into there, and they are relatively leaky. And it's just not enough for me to consider. Like in my own side right now, I currently have a back five that I'm actually quite happy with going forward. With uh, Shane Duffy, Aaron Wan Bissaka, Doherty, Andy Robertson, who I've had since game week one, and then Diop from West Ham is the only player I'd be looking to change. So if it kind of gives you an idea of the sort of budget player I'd be looking at bringing in in defence, and that's pretty much it. I, I I think the value at the moment, the, we you know we had the year of the fullbacks trademark early on in the season that has definitely dissipated, and I think we're now looking at the value coming in midfield and perhaps even up front again. Um, so I'm just not that excited by the idea of putting money into my defence full stop. Not to mind in Spurs defenders, uh, Spurs as well. I think when you're making a defensive transfer, um, it's a bit like you know buying a dog as a dog for life. You know you, you kind of have to kind of consider that you're going to have them for a while. You don't really like flick in and out of defenders. And so when I think about Spurs, I think of the fact that they have Champions League. I think of the fact that they'll, they'll they're already seem to be struggling overall. And I'm just not that enthused by the prospect of bringing one of them in. Oh geez, Stag, I'm a bit disappointed by that, but nah, I think I think you're right. I think you're right at the end of the day. You know, I have been considering defenders to be honest, and I have also been considering premium defenders because I've got Alonso in my team, and uh, you know, we'll talk about Chelsea in a minute. But Alonso looks like a player that's you know leaving my team pretty soon if I can, and Laporte as well. So that's two players that have a blank in in 27 so I have been considering you know what defenders to perhaps replace them with and you know I did have a quick look and I do like Toby Alderweireld as an option he's not particularly attacking he's pretty solid though he's been he's had a really good season for Spurs um, and and they have been quite defensively solid to be honest they've got 10 clean sheets to their name but the other one as well if I'm if you know going for someone who's perhaps a a bit more attacking would be Kieran Trippier. Um, he's picked up five assists this campaign and, and seven last campaign. So he has that potential for attacking and defensive returns, which I often like to talk about. So I think those are perhaps two defenders that I would be considering, but I'm not sure at the moment in terms of making a transfer for a Spurs defender. Moving on, though, to Arsenal. So Arsenal have actually a really good fixture run, especially next three. They've got Huddersfield, Southampton, Bournemouth up next um, before Spurs and United. And I, I guess the main man at Arsenal, the only one we really are considering as a for an FPO asset right now is, is Aubameyang. Just, I sold him literally just before this game week to bring in Aguero, and uh, I'm likely to bring him straight back in again for that um, very quick boomerang. I'm... I think if you were thinking about bringing in Aubameyang and it was to require a hit, I think that would still be quite worth it. The fact of the matter is that whilst he may have frustrated over Christmas as he fell well below his underlying stats, the fact of the matter is he's still second in the race for the Golden Boot with 15 goals this season. And he does rank well in all of the underlying goal stats threats to this day. And he's also top for XG in the last five game weeks, which I think is as good an indicator as any that he's getting in the right positions as well as the fact that he's actually scored. Aubameyang was a player that I'm considering. It's really tough for my own personal team at the moment. I've got Danny Ings lurking there, and he's he's, he's absolutely crap. And, and I'm looking to to get rid of him as soon as I I can. And you know, I think the if I really wanted any forward, it would be Aubameyang right now. But the price difference is so tricky that I would have to actually do a minus eight to get Aubameyang in. So it would be like some sort of move that involves Son Ings to Aubameyang, and then somehow fund it as well 
by doing like a Lonzo to Bednarek or something like that. Yeah, that, just, that Alonso uh, transfer would be the key to that. You'd yeah, lock, you'd unlock what three odd million that way. It's just, it's like, it's just I want that Szechuan sauce. I want, I want Aubameyang into my team. I want to get him in, but is it worth the minus? Say, you know, I'm playing the Tom role in the pod, so perhaps it is. Perhaps I should just go wild and and get that Szechuan sauce. Just get in my team. Just get, add, get add rid in. of that Tony Rick, Danny Ings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get rid of things, you know. Yeah, I think Aubameyang definitely is an interesting one with those fixtures. Huddersfield, Southampton, Bournemouth. But he actually only managed one goal in the three reverse fixtures um, earlier on in the season. So, you know, there is that risk that you could be punished. And I could easily be punished if I took the risk of taking that minus eight. But yeah, like you mentioned, he is the most prolific forward in the game. 15 goals. He's um, had a chance every 25 minutes. He's got a goal conversion of 23.8%, which is um, all very impressive numbers. And I think he will be scary um, to not own for the next few game weeks. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of a tough one for me just because of the cost involved in, in terms of bringing him in. Yeah, and the thing is as well with those games, like of course two of them are actually at the Emirates. So both the Southampton game and the Bournemouth game are at the Emirates, which for almost any other team we'd be thinking is a good thing. Whereas actually maybe not with Liverpool anymore. They seem to have really got Anfield jitters. But um for the likes of Arsenal, they really have been struggling at home compared to their away form. And I think that this this game at home to Southampton, who are definitely improving, although maybe not defensively as much as offensively, and Bournemouth, who seem to show up against big teams and not against small teams sometimes. Uh, they could be awkward games, but I'd, you'd still back Aubameyang, I think, especially when you compare to the other strikers that are around and the fact that so many of them are blanking. Um, I think that's what makes him so interesting. Yeah, definitely. I am a bit concerned about not owning him for those fixtures, for sure. Um, we had another question, actually, about Arsenal. Um, and Neil Baxter just asked us if, if we should be considering any of the midfielders, seeing as Arsenal actually only played two of the top six until the end of the season. Um, any thoughts on midfielders here, Stag, for Arsenal? Not really. I have plenty of thoughts, but they're all negative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, I think that, honestly, still the best Arsenal player um, when he seems to come onto the pitch in midfield anyway is Aaron Ramsey. But the fact of the matter is that you can't be sure of his game time. And so I, in that case, wouldn't be interested in having him in my side. Like when you look at the rest of their midfielders, like of course um, Ozil, if he played to his potential, would be fantastic, but he doesn't. And it just gets very frustrating. We'll see what happens with Dennis Suarez with time. But for now, uh, that'll be discussed later, of course. But no, I just not really interested in their midfielders. I think so as well. The midfield seems to be a bit of a dead zone at the moment. Um, I think you need to bring a portal gun and bring in bring back Freddie Lundberg or something just to, or Robert Perez maybe but to get some actual points but or just look beyond their midfield and look at their faux midfielder um, in Kolasinac who to be honest is actually playing more like a left winger than a even a left midfielder and I think he actually is probably one Arsenal player who could provide value he's getting forward quite a lot he has one of the highest uh, amounts of defence uh, touches in the opposition box of defenders I think he might even be the highest for that he was first or second and he, he is constantly looking dangerous um, I think anytime you watch Arsenal you seem to see Klasenach way up the pitch and then there's a big huge hole on the left when Arsenal are being counter-attacked against yeah, Kolasinac is um, looking like a really good option. Yeah, definitely worth mentioning um, him as, as an FPL prospect. One we should certainly consider, especially um, considering he's he's acting like almost like an attacking midfielder when he's actually a defender. But yeah, the midfield is pretty terrible. I mean, Ramsey and Ozil can't really get game time. Mkhitaryan is the, sort of the most goals for all the midfielders, but he I don't know what's happened to him. He, he's been now injured, I think. Um, and Iwobi doesn't seem to ever be materialising, unfortunately, as, as a real player, which has been disappointing because he's always been one on the periphery of our thoughts. Because, oh, Iwobi could be good as a £5.4 million uh, starting Arsenal attacking midfielder, but it's never really happened for him, has it? 
No, no, it really hasn't with them. So, yeah, it's just, that's really the tough thing with Arsenal, really, is just trying to actually work out how they're actually going to stay in the top six, like looking at the rest of this season. Um, not to mind anything else, I'd be pretty feeling pretty um, existential about my life if I was an Arsenal fan, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice trolling comment for uh, Tom to listen to. Later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, good. yeah. Tom will enjoy that on the editing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, shall we? Shall we move on then? We'll, we'll move, we're moving on to Liverpool. So yeah, not not great result for Liverpool tonight. One all against West Ham, but you know their fixtures um, remain pretty positive. Uh, Bournemouth, United, Watford, Everton, Burnley is the next five, and uh, it's worth mentioning as well that Liverpool. Liverpool um, will not have a, a single blank week for the rest of the season. So um, at the moment, um, I think we all own, most people who's listening own most Salas, though some might even be considering actually selling him after a couple of blanks, which um, if you remember what he did against Bournemouth at the start of the season, perhaps is, is not a wise move right now. But uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the Liverpool players? Um, do, you, do you think there's a case of tripling up at this moment on time or is that too aggressive perhaps? Yeah, I was, I was going to say like, all this, all these great discussions about tripling up on Liverpool players and tripling up on Bournemouth players over the next few weeks has really um, suddenly gone a bit sour after they've um, their form has suddenly dropped off quite a bit. I think I'm going to take another week to work this one out for myself. Um, I've kind of, you know, probably shown my hand on my transfer for this week already. I have one forward transfer I'll probably make between Aguero and Aubameyang. And so that kind of gives me a chance to kind of consider what I'm really doing with Liverpool. But, you know, I am fully aware that they are the only top 16 with no blank game week in game week 31. Um, but the fact that these nerves are setting in, you really do have to start wondering about over-investing in them. Uh, like, look, Salah is essential. Uh, but beyond him, is there anyone worth looking at in their offense or defense? And I tend to think that I'd actually look defensively, if anything, when I'm looking at Liverpool. I kind of brought this up on a podcast a few weeks ago. I think I mentioned it in my article as well, where... Uh, think about it this way, Nick. Who do you think is the second most likely Liverpool player to score a goal? Mane. And on what odds would you give me if I, you were, you know, one in what, one in ten, one in twelve, one in like what sort of percentages are you talking on that? Probably like one in two point five or something like that. Okay, that's way higher than I'd give it. But the fact of the matter is, is that you know you probably give a far higher chance of uh, them picking up a clean sheet, which means you'd be probably better off having two defenders. And being happy with that, if you were to consider tripling up at Liverpool at all, so you know you've got you've got your Andy Robertson plus one. I think that's how I would go about it if I was actually looking at tripling up. For now, I'm definitely going to maintain the, my Robertson and Salah axis. I don't think I'll be tripling up. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, I think um, for me, I've obviously got Salah and uh, Robertson as well. Um, I'm quite happy with those players. I'm certainly not thinking about selling them, despite. Um, um, Liverpool uh, going through a, a tough phase, let's say, um, over the last couple of game weeks. Um, incidentally, actually, with the defence, whilst I was thinking about um, doubling up on the defence, I'm probably not going to be in the immediate future. Um, they've only actually managed one clean sheet in the last six, which I found to be uh, quite a surprising stat. They were a lot more solid, I guess, at the beginning of the season when they had Joe Gomez, um, who was pretty good for them, but he's actually now out for the season. I think yeah. um, Lovren's injured as well. And, and uh, I mean, they certainly looked a little bit less assured with Matip uh, playing and Milner playing the role, uh, role of a right back which isn't his natural position I think uh, when TAA returns um, which hopefully will be soon um, at 5.2 he certainly presents that option as a um, triple up option he'd probably be the one I would consider but yeah I think you know at the moment it's Adam Robertson for me Mane like I mentioned he's the other one that I have um, had a little bit of a thought about um, he's now got three goals in three um, 
starting to look pretty good to be honest but uh you know he's very expensive as well and and it's very much a crowded market in midfield you know he's, he's not particularly affordable especially if you you're wanting the likes of son and, and pogba and salah and premium strikers as well yeah that's exactly it is that like the i was just going to say that the opportunity cost of bringing manny into your team is absolutely massive from either a tactical fpl point of view with the likes of son and pogba or just from a you know points potential point of view when you've got the likes of let's say sane who still has a very high ceiling even if he didn't play the other day and there's real inherent risks in bringing in Mane and I, I just don't see it right now like you know that, that could totally change if he has an absolutely fantastic game against Bournemouth in game week 26 but as it stands I definitely wouldn't be rushing to bring them in just on Trent by the way just when we mentioned it be keeping an eye on Ben Dinnery's uh, Twitter feed this week like he is potentially back this weekend so we'll see what happens I think we agreed that it's watch and wait, hold on to your Liverpool assets. Um, I mean, if you don't own Salah or you don't own a Liverpool defender, uh, you know, by all means consider them. But I think double up is um, sufficient for now. Um, um, we'll move on, though, to United. So United have um, obviously had a, a resurgence under um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and their fixtures are pretty decent as well. Fulham, Liverpool, Palace, Southampton, Arsenal up next. Uh, but yeah, I think the Pogba and Rashford are the two that we both own. Yeah, and I, I don't really see why you'd be rushing to bring in any of their other players that are there right now, where, you know, there's, uh, almost every United player has shown an uptick in form since Mourinho departed and Solskjaer came in. But the fact of the matter is that when Pogba and Ashford are scoring like they are for relatively cheap prices, when you consider that Pogba is, uh, even as a midfielder, is right up there for shots, shots in the box, XG, etc. And Rashford is too. And they're both creating for each other, working very well together. I had Martial in the early or in the early era of the very short Ole Gunnar Solskjaer era and I've already moved him out and I brought in Pogba for him because you know it was pretty obvious where the tide was going on that one uh, so yeah I think it's you'd be looking at both of those but then looking at their defence Nick how do you feel on that with Man United these days? So yeah I thought about the defence actually obviously because I mentioned I'm thinking about off, offloading some defenders and um, so you've got uh, Lindelof and, and Luke Shaw or perhaps the two that are worth considering and it seems a bit odd for me to say um to consider Victor Lindelof who's had a bit of a shock uh, at Manchester United up until this moment in his career but you know he's 4.9 shorts 5.0 so very easily affordable um they've now got three clean sheets in five so whilst uh, Liverpool aren't keeping clean sheets Manchester United actually are and, and you know there seems to definitely be a trend towards um, defensive solidity at United compared to Liverpool, to be honest. Um, and with um, Shaw, he's created eight chances in the last six game week, 21 over the course of the season. So there's a assist potential there, especially against Fulham, who remain the worst defence in the Premier League, having conceded 147 shots all season. So I think with United defenders, they are definitely worth considering. If you're free hitting randomly, then, you know, by all means, get one in. If you're thinking about offloading Alonso or a City defender, Look at Manchester United, for sure. I think they, I think they are worth considering. Just to kind of give elucidate a bit more on the stats there with regards to United's defence, like they're actually performing about on the same par as Liverpool right now in terms of the likes of big chances conceded. Since game week 20, both of them have now conceded seven big chances after tonight's game finished and the stats have updated. Uh, United do concede more shots in the box, but I think that's where having David De Gea comes into things. And he is definitely making up for the fact that uh, United's defence perhaps is a bit more porous than it ought to be and so you know thus they're amongst the best for clean sheets in the last since about game week 20 odd uh, definitely definitely worth considering 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, like you said, with the attack, Pogba and Rashford, most of us own him, but own those players. But and I'm certainly not looking um, at selling them. I was even considering a a Pogba um, captaincy, perhaps. Um, unbelievably, Pogba's actually now matching Salah for goal attempts with with 76, and um, he's had nine goals to his um, name. And both uh, Pogba and Rashford both have nine goals to their name under um, which which is their best season so far and both have managed to get seven of those nine goals under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and considering he's only been around for about seven Premier League games it's pretty damn shocking to be honest yeah. uh, you know uh, just it's just unbelievable the uh, change in form for both Pogba and Rashford who are both having their best ever campaigns in the Premier League yep. but we're going to now talk about Chelsea uh, Manchester City up next then a blank then Spurs Fulham Wolves and the first talking point, obviously, is Eden Hazard. So we'll start with you anyway, before I go on a rant, um, Anthony. Um, <laughs> what are your plans with Hazard? Are you, are you keeping him? Or are you going to sell him? Or, or what are you doing? Like the, the, the more I see City, comma, blank, comma, Spurs written in front of me, the more I think I should probably look to sell him too. And it's like, here I am selling two of my top performers in one game week, um, the game week after that. So look, the end of the day with Hazard is that it would be very easy for me to call him a season keeper for now, especially with Iguain's arrival perhaps helping him quite a bit. There was a wonderful stat that Sky put out yesterday and it was talking about Eden Hazard's past combinations with the strikers ahead of him. And he has, in the small time that Iguain has been playing in the Premier League, they together have already recorded two of Hazard's top five you know, amounts of uh, passes to his striker all season so in the Huddersfield game which of course they dominated was their best he had 21 and pass exchanges between them and probably more interestingly the Bournemouth game where they were absolutely hockeyed was still his third best uh, interchange in the season with 14 passes in all and I think that's actually the more promising one um, slightly perversely even though Chelsea had probably the most humiliating result of a an, an oddly sometimes humiliating season in that game that I think that maybe there's more potential for him to get involved like we hadn't seen before like when he was playing in the false nine role it was just very frustrating to watch and you could kind of constantly see he didn't quite want to be getting in the strikers positions nor no didn't quite seem to know how to make the runs um, not that i'd be doing any better than him but <laughs> he definitely wasn't um he wasn't suddenly pick finding himself in the space like if you look at sergio guerra's hat-trick goals some of them were just like amazing the intuition that he chose to get in that position and Hazard just doesn't have that whereas over on the wing he's absolutely phenomenal in terms of what he can do coming in off the side and coming in to pick up that pass on the box and then taking a shot so maybe because of Iguain's arrival Hazard has definitely got a lot less close to the exit door than he may have been you know even Paul uh, disregarded we'll see I probably won't I won't hold him for the blank that's for sure so, yeah, that's that's interesting opinion. I think a lot of people have said, I'll just keep this guy in your team all season and so stop trying to shift him in and out. And, and I don't I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. I mean, obviously, um, I've called him a troll in the past. Some people have been offended by the fact that he, I've called him a troll. So for now, I'm not going to call him a troll. Instead, I'll just call him Mr. Poopy Butthole. But um, a lot of people, I think, have, have made the case that Hazard Sellers deserved what they got. I mean, especially considering um, they were playing the worst team in the league, supposedly. Or why would you sell Hazard before they're playing the worst team in the league? Is, is some of the arguments that people have said. But it, I mean, it's worth highlighting, you know, the, the mitigating factors around around the Hazard sale. I mean, Arsenal, uh, who a lot of people were bringing in um, 
as a replacement for Hazard, um, Sane or Sterling perhaps, um, were, had actually conceded more shots than Huddersfield this season. So Arsenal potentially were looking actually a weaker team um, defensively than Huddersfield, especially with Licksteiner, um, who Sane would have been up against, um, who really couldn't handle the pace of the City players like Sterling. And like you mentioned with those fixtures, it wasn't just about Huddersfield, it's the next ones. Chelsea have Manchester City, Blank and Spurs. So, you know, there's, there was a strong logic to that sale. And um, Hazard also had not scored in five game weeks, which incidentally also are the five I owned him, um, despite playing um, weak oppositions. And after a disastrous form of match, there are rumours of a major falling out with the manager. He, he talked back at Sari. He'd given lip, you know. He could have even potentially been dropped by Sari, though that would probably been Sari's death knell if he, he'd done that. But, um, yeah, I did a little bit of MI, actually, um, Anthony. Um, I promised it on one of the other pods, but I, I finally got around to doing it. Um, just over the past few seasons on Eden Hazard uh, and why, why I consider him um, to be a poopy butthole. But anyway, um, <laughs> 18, 18, 19 season this season, as has been in my team, 14 game weeks with an average of 4.2 points per game. When Hazard's has not been in my team, 11 game weeks, he's managed an average score of 8.3 points per game. Oh my goodness. Seven, uh, 17, point, 17 18 season Hazard was only in my team six game weeks but he, he managed 3.33 points per game uh, the 32 he was not in my team he got 4.78 and then um, 16 17 season he was in my team for 26 game weeks managing 5.38 points per game but the 12 he wasn't in my team he got an average score of seven points per game oh but <laughs> So okay, okay. See, okay, if you're in a position like Nick is in, you clearly just need to keep him in your team all season because you're just selling him just precipitates a disaster for you. Exactly, yourself. exactly. <laughs> I think the worst one really is the 15-16 season. And unfortunately, I don't actually have the uh, the data for this one because I didn't keep a log at this point. <laughs> but um, this was a season that he managed to get five goals and four assists all season. <laughs> and this was a season I did have a lot of patience in him. I remember at the beginning of the season, Tom was saying, just get rid of Hazard. Why do you still have him in your team? And I was like, look at the fixture. He's going to come good. He's going to come good. I can just imagine you, did... probably, you probably sold him for the Spurs game at the end of that season, thinking, oh, Spurs have been really good this season. Mm-hmm. They're title challengers. They have to win against them to catch Leicester and then boof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, this was one of those seasons where Hazard contrived to get the manager sacked, which has happened three times, if you're including this season in his uh, Premier League campaign. So, <laughs> he's, you, you know, you could keep him or he could be a season keeper, but he, he's on and off every other season as well. So... It's, it's a tough one. But anyway, that's that's me done with Hazard, unless you've got anything more to say. <laughs> no, no, no more comments to pass on Eden Hazard. Okay, excellent. Anyway, we're going to talk um, about... Well, we won't talk about Higurin yet, but we're going to briefly talk about the defence. Um, so uh, Alonso, um, he earned a total recall to my team with um, Emerson being punished following on for that 4-0 drubbing. But he was also um, outshone again by David Luiz. Um, so I think Alonso is definitely going to be uh, gone from my team. But what do you think about the Chelsea defence um, all in all? Are they worth considering? Are they worth keeping? You see, they're, they're, they're very quietly actually accumulating more clean sheets than you'd think this season. You might have the numbers to hand, but I think they might be second now for clean sheets over the course of this season, which mm-hmm. is kind of incredible when you consider the amount of times that we've kind of looked at Chelsea and thought these this team is a complete and utter shambles um yeah they're second with 11 clean sheets so far this season so that's 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 pretty good going and so you can't really discount that especially when once they get through these this particularly odd few fixtures they actually have a pretty decent run from there on in um 
that's and that's, and also they have the Europa League, which you know they probably won't be taking as seriously as you know you might exp- as let's say the Premier League teams would be taking the uh, the other Premier League teams would be taking the Champions League. Now, Alonso has clearly dropped off from the attacking talent that are the attacking threat that he was earlier in the season, and because of that, I wouldn't be as interested in him. And I de- definitely would be looking at joining our fellow Slack member Khan in owning uh, David Luiz. He's um, Number one, he'd be a pretty interesting player to, to own. Just when you're watching him, you're, you're going to always be watching with your head in your hands, wondering, is he going to score? Is he going to completely mess up and, capit- and cause Chelsea to capitulate every night? And I think that would be a pretty fun <laughs> fun way to spend your time watching FPL. But overall, he actually is a pretty phenomenal player at times. And he, he does get returns. He does actually pick up bonus points as well every so often with Chelsea. And so because of that, I think if I was looking at any Chelsea defender, it would be Davos Luiz. Yeah, I think he's certainly the, the pick of the bunch. I think um, he's well, he's he's zero point six billion cheaper than David um, than Alonso, so you know there's value there. Um, he's also more nailed on than Alonso now because Alonso has that Emerson threat. <laughs> and whilst it'll be very interesting to see who Sarri uh, picks in Europa League because they're probably going to be the second choice um, Chelsea defender, and it'll be very interesting to see um, if Alonso plays the next game or not. For now, I think it's probably time to say goodbye to him. He's been in my team for quite a long time. Um, you know, I've always been a big fan of Alonso and, you know, I've kept faith in him. Like you said, he, Chelsea have had 11 clean sheets. Um, you know, they've been pretty defensively solid. And, you know, even if Alonso hasn't been getting attacking returns and, and sadly there haven't been any attacking returns since the start of the season, really. I mean, since game 10, it's the last time he picked up a, an attacking return. There, there have been points uh, coming from Alonso. So I've, relative, I've been relatively happy up until now, but you know, at that cost of 6.5 million, I think like you said earlier in the pods, I could be investing that money, um, you know, elsewhere. I could be downgrading to Bednarek, for instance, and it would give me money to, to bring in Jimenez for rings or, or something along those lines anyway. So I think, um, yeah, certainly David Luiz, perhaps if you're looking at Chelsea defender, would be the ones to consider. They're probably not at this moment in time considering the, uh, the immediate fixture run. Yeah, like, and actually, just to add to that, like, if you're just to use bonus points as a proxy for performance, Marcus Alonso has picked up two bonus points since game week 13, whereas David Luiz has chipped in um, quite consistently in that time in terms of actually picking up when they get uh, clean sheets and picking them up when he himself actually scores. So he's uh, he's managed to actually bring a parity between himself and Marcus and Alonso overall in terms of bonus points, but they both have 16, which is the second best uh, bonus points tally of defenders in the league behind only the unbelievable Andy Robertson who has 20 so far this season so I think that'll just show you how you know with Alonso playing as he is and David Luiz playing as he is as part of the same defense where you know they're they're picking up the same common points in terms of clean sheets David Luiz is really outperforming him and outstripping him um, for 0.6 less yeah for sure and um, yeah definitely worth considering who got the assist who got the assist Sort of awkwardly segueing on to uh, the new signing section, we're we're going to uh, talk about Higuain next, and um, and perhaps you know, like I said, it was a bit of a boring, uh, disappointing January transfer window, but Higuain was was the big signing, even if it was only a loan signing. Um, coming to the FPL as, as 9.5 million pounds and, and he and he got a brace to his name as well, so you know, definitely uh, proving himself potentially straight away as an FPL asset. Um, stag. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, two fantastic goals at the weekend. Um, it was definitely meant that I was considering him an awful lot more than I had been. He's, um, by all accounts, had a pretty torrid start to the season this year at AC Milan after being pretty much just ejected from Juventus to make room for Cristiano Ronaldo after a slow enough final season um, there with the old lady as well. So, 
I'm I'm still kind of holding off on Iguain and waiting to see what happens. You know, we're going. I'll use these um, games against uh, both City and Spurs, and also the League Cup final to kind of really uh, figure out where I feel um, he stands in the English game and how his form is and how his conditioning is. There have been questions over all of these things so far this season, so I won't um, I won't get overly excited about two goals against Huddersfield because there's an awful lot of players who scored two goals against Huddersfield at times who haven't necessarily gone on to be able to replicate that at one other time. Yeah, for sure. I think um, it's definitely a case of watch and see how he gets on over the next few game weeks. But like you said earlier on the pod, that uh, pass combination with Hazard uh, was particularly uh, impressive. Um, so it's 21 passes that he actually made with Hazard, uh, which is the most he's had, uh, Hazard's had with any Chelsea forward all season by a whole six passes, which is quite unbelievable, really. And even that terrible loss against Bournemouth, um, the pass combination was uh, 14, which was third. So, yeah, definitely shows that they're starting to to build some sort of relationship um, immediately, much uh, better relationship that Hazard had for, with uh, Murata, for instance. So uh, I think um, definitely for Higuain, he's uh, two million cheaper than like Silguero and Bamiyan, three million cheaper than Kane. One, one, to, one to consider um, and definitely an option um, for a premium forward in that price bracket that he is. Moving on to some of the other signings, um, we're going to quickly talk through them because... Uh, there's not too much to say, to be honest, about a lot of these. Uh, Denis Suarez um, joined from Barcelona to Arsenal of 6.5 million um, on a loan deal, but 6.5 million is his FPL price, not the price they've paid for him mm. in reality. But um, yeah, Suarez, I mean, he was a peripheral figure at Barca, definitely remains a player with a lot of potential, but barely any game time at all this campaign. So be interested to see how he adapts to the Premier League. And it's also worth mentioning he's not a natural goal scorer with only 13 career goals. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you're, you'd be quite correct about that, that he wouldn't be a natural goal scorer, Suarez. Um, like the fact of the matter is, is that, look, he was at Barcelona. He was pretty much discarded by the club and went to Villarreal, where he played a full season in La Liga in 15-16. And then what Barcelona basically did was they exercised their buyback clause that they had, which was quite cheap at the time for, a, you know, a a central midfielder who was playing um, at a fairly high level in La Liga. So they brought him back and he kind of had two years um, there at Barcelona where he was pretty much in the wilderness. You know, he got his appearances in, but, you know, wasn't really playing an awful lot, played an awful lot of Copa del Rey and stuff like that. And then you've ended up then in 2018-19 where he's only played two games. And so he's been loaned out to Arsenal with the hope of perhaps maybe building value or just securing a transfer away in the end of this Um I wouldn't be too excited by him as an FPL prospect. I'm not even sure how quickly he'll be able to start in that Arsenal team. So, not really an FPL option. Nothing nothing to, to get you excited there then, Stag. Mm. No worries. Um, well, the next guy, maybe a little bit more of an FPL option, perhaps, is Mishmishri Batshuayi, um, 6.5 million. Um, so, he's actually started his Palace career with bang. He's picked up a cheeky assist. Um but again, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into Palace's plans. They actually suddenly look quite flush in the attacks. They've got Benteke back as well. They've got Zaha. They've, uh, they've got Jordan Ayew. Um, but it's worth mentioning that has had very little game time as well this season. Uh, but if he can find that form he had for Marseille when he got 17 goals in first six appearances, he could be a real asset. And I think he, he is definitely one to keep your eye on at least. Yeah, absolutely. Like even the form that he displayed when he was on loan at Borussia Dortmund um, from Chelsea, where he scored seven times in 10 appearances um, in that loan spell. Uh, that would be pretty exciting. But the fact of the matter is, is that like this is his second loan of this season after 
having a pretty torrid time at Valencia, who aren't even having the best of seasons themselves. So it's um, he's not coming from a great place, um, Mr. Batshuayi, but perhaps uh, he'll be able to show something. Of course, it was nice to see him make an instant impact. He's um, he's good on the social media too, so you know you, the podcast might get a shout-out if you're nice enough to him as well, Nick. So, uh, yeah, he's an interesting one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely worth... Um thinking about anyway, keeping your eye on. Um, the next one, I've, I've already forgotten how to pronounce his name, even though you told me earlier, but it's uh, Yuri Tillmans. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if I got that right. Probably not. Tillemans. Tillemans. Perhaps another hot prospect. 6.0 million he is. He's a central midfielder, though, and he's he got five goals in 20 games for Monaco. I, I, I would recommend you get him in your football manager safe. Uh, he's one of those players who's um, highly rated by the algorithms in that game, but I really couldn't purport to know all that much about him as a player beyond that, um, only that he's definitely excite people. But the fact that he's coming out of that Monaco team, which has had such a horrendous season so far, it'd be kind of interesting to see what sort of um, mindset and how long it takes him to kind of get back up to speed. Like he was, you know, he was basically a, a swap loan deal type transfer so it's, it's kind of it's an interesting one i'm not quite sure how that's going to um fall for him in the long run but even whether he will play uh in the early run so we'll see what happens with him yeah fair enough um then there's a couple of film signings we're going to quickly discuss Babel and uh, markovic uh, so Babel 5.5 million markovic is 5.0 million on fpl and uh, Babel actually quite interestingly i mean when i watched um, the spurs film game I, I was frightened by him which is always a good sign in, in a player because he, he was really attacking looked quite dangerous um the 32 year old had four goals in 10 appearances for Besiktas and um and already picked up an assist so far in the Premier League and I think he's definitely a player worth considering in the cheap bracket especially because there was a strong relationship with um other Fulham attacking assets like Mitrovic um Markovic is another former Liverpoolian but it feels like he, he never it never really happens for him um he's got another chance at Fulham but it'd be interesting to see if he can actually fit into that starting 11 because they've also got the likes of Andre Scherler and Brian Sessegnon so he's not necessarily a sure starter there and uh yeah Absolutely. Like, I think just for people who've been completely tuned out of the career of Ryan Babel, he's actually kind of recovered his career in the last few years whilst playing in Turkey. And he's actually managed to regain his spot in the Dutch national team, which was, you know, a particularly interesting career trajectory. He kind of seemed like one of these players who was finished when he returned to Holland. But um, since then, things have actually gone quite well for him. So that's somewhat, uh, somewhat promising, at least, I guess. But uh, overall, I think with Babel, he has made a decent impact so far in terms of actually, as you said, looking dangerous. You know, his, his heat maps look OK as well from the three games we have to look at. Of course, he did pick up an assist or two assists in total. So, look, the problem with Fulham is that he is still Fulham. And <laughs> until Fulham really have an upturn in form, I don't think you're going to be looking at attackers from there when there are so many pretty decent options, even at that lower price bracket. Uh, as for Markovic that's a man who hasn't played much at all in years and so I think you really need to give him time to get back up to speed again um, he had a fantastic reputation as a kid but um, where he's gone from there ugh, that's that remains to be seen doesn't it? Yeah 100% and I think um, the final player we're going to discuss is uh, Peter Crouch um, 4.5 million as as one sort of anti-hero in Abu Bakr uh, not Chris Kamara departs from the 4.5 million forward bracket. A true legend replaces him, um, which gives people the like a like for like straight swap. And, and 40 minutes on the pitch, he's already picked up an assist. So um, if I was wildcarding right now, I think it'd be bye 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 for for Peter Crouch. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like he uh, seems like a stand-up guy, and he seems like a, he's a pretty good footballer too. And he definitely uh, will make an impact there at Burnley in the small few minutes he does play. So an FPL from an FPL perspective, look, there's an awful lot of you with camera who want to sell, as you say. So it's a good life, like for like replacement there. Or for those of you who had the Volkswagen, you had him at one point, didn't you, Nick? I did indeed. Yeah, he's a he's of course he's of course now gone. So if you wanted to just like cash in the budget and have a player who you know who play every so often, yeah, there's Peter Crouch. Excellent. Right, we're going to take a quick break here, and after the break, we're going to move on to our features section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? And we're back, and we'll move on to our features round. So we'll first go into the market forces, our section where we use FEL net transfer in data to describe the movers and shakers in the transfer market. So our numbers man, Nick, is going to take over on this one. Yep, yeah, so uh, the big transfer in this game week is Min Son, and we talked a little bit about him, um, the impact that he's had on Spurs. Obviously, a lot of people are, are buying him in after perhaps um, selling him uh, during his uh, one-game absence for the Asian Cup. So, uh, you know, there's probably no point selling him even at all um, as he's come back and he's got a 9 pointer against Watford and he's got an 11 pointer against Newcastle. Uh, goal, back-to-back goals. And like I said earlier in the pod, he's... He's really their talisman now, isn't he? Um, in Kane's absence, in Ali's absence, um, he's he's just been absolutely brilliant. He's a player that I'm probably going to be rushing to get in as well. So I can understand uh, why people are transferring him in. Um, yeah, I mean, other, other than some, there's Jimenez. Um, he's a big um, mover. I think Tom's actually already made an early move to, to bring in Jimenez. Um, he, he's got three goals in, in the last couple of games. And yeah, he's just... His price and, and Wolves have just been really good this season, having a great season. Uh, price is six point seven. I can understand the appeal um, in Jimenez. Jimenez player that you're considering, Anthony. You know, I've been looking at Jimenez all season. You know, he's always been you know one transfer away, if that makes sense, and it just never quite happened that way. So it, it could still happen, but I, I won't give any regular guarantees that I'll be bringing him in. I think looking across at those uh, the net transfer data, it's, it is quite interesting to see the likes of Doherty actually still doing quite well amongst the defenders and it's also interesting to see that the, some of the Southampton attackers are starting to creep in at the bottom there you'll see Nathan Redmond and James Ward-Prowse have both um, attracted small but still significant for their ownership numbers um, yeah there's a, there's an interesting thing kind of happening oh also Arthur Boric of course a 3.9 goalkeeper is uh, attracting 4, a bit of attention 4.0 now yeah, but, yeah it's just 3.9 as, as it is right now I believe yeah yeah, he might, maybe he's rising tonight, but he's 3.9 on the FPL side as I look at it. So, oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. I think Boric is um, an interesting option, um, especially a lot of people were like, laughing after he got that clean sheet against Chelsea. Uh, but, yeah, I think um, him and there's 84,000 transfers in. Uh, Wilson's actually the man that's being sold with 80,000 transfers out because of his injury. He hasn't played uh, the last few games for Bournemouth. He's got a knee injury and potentially ruled out for a fair while. So uh, no surprises there. But perhaps a bit of a surprise. Um, um, so many people have already sold Leroy Sane. He's the second most transferred out player with 59,000 transfers out um, at this moment in time, which I guess um, is obviously on the back of him not playing against Arsenal. But there is another game still to play this game week. So, you know, it seems a bit a bit radical just to transfer him out in, in, in anger almost. But of course, with the fixtures we mentioned with the Blank and the Chelsea game, Perhaps it was always in people's plans to sell him, but I'm not, I'm not too sure if that's um, 
you know, a great move to make so early in the game. Yeah, somewhat, somewhat incredible actually to see some of the transfers out. When you come out and compare or consider as well that Leicester's fixtures are about to take off and really go for the better. And Ricardo Pereira is the fourth most sold defender of all of them. Probably at the time where if you and I were having that discussion, we'd probably be discussing him as one of the more interesting options if you were to like take a 10-week forecast on things. Um, as well as that, actually, it's uh, nice to see that Eden Hazard and Sergio Aguero are both attracting transfers out this game week, as well as transfers transfers in as people really don't know what way they're meant to pull. Yeah, maybe a few people are playing in Ricky Tiki Tavi with uh, Ricardo Pereira and um, also Richarlison, who I think a lot of people guess a, a bit of a pickle Rick um, in terms of Richarlison or a bit of a pickle about Rick as, as he's not really lived up to his prospects for second half of the season. I mean, he could easily um, get a goal against Manchester City and then everyone will suddenly be happy again. But, you know, yes, it's, it's not been um, a great run for him with um, only one goal in the last six fixtures, um, you know, having his usual spout of, of not scoring in the second half of the season. But um, with the, uh, well, they've got a blank as well, haven't they, Everton? So I guess it's no surprise, really, that people are finally had enough of Richardson. He's been a very heavily owned player for the season and uh, 45,000 managers have got rid of him at this moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting to see. There's actually uh, an interesting tide there of Mr. Meeseeks who are going for N'Golo Kante as well. 28,000 transfers in already in spite of the fact that he blanks. It's amazing what a goal or what he returns to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. A few people seeking him out um, seemingly. I mean, Higuain's the other one, uh, 60,000 transfers in and also Aguero with 43,000 transfers in. Um, it's quite interesting that people are bringing in these players considering that the fixture run and the blank. Maybe they haven't considered the blank. I don't know, but it seems a bit, you know, knee jerky. These guys obviously smashed it this game week, but, um, you know, their next couple... Um, especially the blank really says don't bring these guys in. But the, the one actually that did interest me, Stag, was um, Mutino uh, with 52,000 transfers in. He's the fourth most uh, transferred in player this this game week. And he's actually picked up five assists in the last three games. Uh, and he's only priced at uh, 5.2 as well. So he's, he's proven himself to be a real cheap um, creative force um, as part of that Wolves midfield. Yeah, absolutely. And he's always actually looked quite good in terms of just pure raw chance creation, you know, passes to players who shoot. But the problem was that they were often shooting from too far away. Um, It's nice to see that maybe some of those are converting now. I'd need to look into the drill, into the data a little bit more to see if those the chance quality he was creating had really improved substantially. But uh, it is nice to see him getting rewarded um, for Wolves and for his owners. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we're going to move on now to the Zombies League. This is where we check on the progress of our shambling zombies run by unspecified family members. And um, this is our no chips, no transfers, no changes league. And um, yeah, so I had a quick look at my zombies. I was actually quite surprised to see they got 43 points um, so far this game week. Um, I wasn't really expecting anything from them at all because they've had such a shocker all season. But um, it seems to be the defence that uh, delivered this time round. Um, Matt Ryan got a clean sheet. Vatonen got eight points. David Luiz got 13, but the real hero, I guess, was Eric Bailly, who managed to get six points this game week, doubling his total returns for the season in one game week. Fantastic work by um, Eric Bailly, who's finally decided to to show up after I put him put my faith in him for the season to to deliver points. But um, yeah, the rest of the team was pretty poor. Um, Salah captaincy didn't do anything. Kane and Ardy, both injured for zero pointers. Uh, Departure got a zero points, obviously, as well. So yeah, not great. Your zombie team's overall rank, Nick? Um, 3.5 million in the world. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Not Not well, 
this is my first time returning to my zombie team in quite a while, and it's nice to see that it made it one more week in the cup than I did by making it just one week through. Um, my team is actually now ranked 2.1 uh, mil overall. Um, this week, it was uh, David De Gea. So like yourself, the Manchester United defence came in for me, and it was David De Gea with 11 points. I had Emmerich Laporte with five, James Tompkins with six, and Bednarek with seven. Uh, in midfield, I did have Paul Pogba, unfortunately. Uh, Henrik, uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan continues not to play. Salah blanked, and De Bruyne has uh, only picked up two points. Florin Andone up front uh, did come on to get one point um, in his um, roller coaster season, where he mostly sits on the bench like he's in a roller coaster, but just doesn't move anywhere. Uh, but sitting on the bench, I do have Harry Maguire. Uh, Jimenez, of course, Raul Jimenez has been sitting on my bench all season. I've probably missed out on the guts of 50 or 60 points for the zombie team by the fact that he's been trapped on my bench. And Tom Kearney, who uh, I hope never comes on for that team because he's not rescoring anything. So yeah, there's the zombie league team. Sounds like a bit of a mixed bag anyway. Um, definitely some uh, some good picks in there, like you said, but a few a few shockers like my own zombie team. Yeah, absolutely. Like a bit of update for people if they're interested in it, just to know that the top zombie league team is Arno Vita Ervirta, whose team is actually ranked 176k, uh, which will uh, definitely uh, infuriate an awful lot of managers. In spite of the fact that he has Hector Bayerin, Trent and Arnautovic injured, he still can bring in the points thanks to Sergio Aguero. Uh, he had a Salah captaincy, which didn't come through for him, but he did have Paul Pagba and Hugo Lloris to mean that he uh, may have picked up red arrows, but he has moved forward. Yeah, that's pretty damn decent, uh, considering yeah. he hasn't made any changes all season. Uh, final section is the um, All England team uh, celebrating the Freelance Achievement at the World Cup. But unfortunately, I don't have an update because I don't have the password. So all I can say is wubba lubba dub dub. Um, maybe Tom triple captain Sterling. Maybe he didn't. Maybe the captaincy was still on Kane and TAA or something. Who knows? Um, maybe he'll provide an update uh, next time we're on the pod. So unfortunately, I don't have an update for you now unless Tom wants to edit one in, which I'm sure he doesn't. Uh, but anyway, uh, thanks for that. We're going to take another quick break and then we'll be back for the community section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Anyway, Stag, that's how I um, escaped that space prison. Oh, we're back. Um, and uh, yeah, it's time to catch up with the uh, Who Got the Assist mini league. Uh, our mini league code is 516 dash 441 is still obviously midweek so we can't provide a proper update but we can give you a kind of indication of who's doing well and uh yeah it's uh, james wells actually with bombers wonders um that's top at this current moment in time with 42 points a total rank of 1680 um he actually played his triple captain he's on the uh, 46 points actually now after getting robertson and salad points um but he uh, triple captain Sane, so he's, he's one of those, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, a decent punt, um, 47th overall rank. Still could come good. He's a uh, vice captain, incidentally, is Sterling. So if uh, Sane doesn't show at all, he'll get some um, Sterling points and could easily um, see further climbs up the ranks. But definitely having a really good season there. Uh, but there's a lot of people. It's actually very compressed in the uh, top five. And it could be all changed by the time um, the game week's over for sure. Absolutely. It actually seems like Nate Thomas, who's in fourth in the league, seems to be having the, the biggest move up the top of the league this week. He's actually hit 100 points after tonight's fixtures uh, with uh, David Luiz, Eden Hazard and Captain Harry, um, Sergio Aguero coming in very well for him, as well as uh, plenty of other consistent scores throughout his team, propelling him up the ranks nicely to 98th in the world. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty uh, decent of Nate. Yeah, really good score. And he's got Agrarian Richardson still to come again. So, you know, a triple-figure score, absolutely excellent. But, yeah, very competitive league. Um, we'll, we'll try and provide a, a fuller update um, next game week. But, yeah, a few people, yeah, Mark Sinclair, uh, Salvia Barra, Viraj, Abayani, uh, Chris McCartney, all, all doing really well, all, all competing. It's a very competitive league. And, uh, yeah, well done all those um, at the top of the league. So we're going to move on anyway to um, our questions uh, section. And the, the first question is about Son. Who goes for Son? Um, at FPL Chelsea asked us, Hazard to Son or Hazard to Aubameyang for a minus four? I think um, definitely Son probably is the, is the one I pick. And, and at Oscar Fredrickson, he's asked, I've got Sane, Hazard, Sterling and Higuain. Who should I sacrifice the Son for next game week. So a lot of people are talking about selling these Chelsea and Manchester City assets and, and which ones to sell. Um, do you have any thoughts at this moment in time? Honestly, for old Oscar, he's going to have a lot of transfers to do. I kind of feel like that's an awful lot of budget to have invested in four players who are going to blank for a week uh, so soon. <laughs> that's almost half of his full overall budget, I would say, is it? Probably about that. Quite 40 mil. Quite 40 mil. Yeah. So he's probably going to have to make two transfers there. Um, so, yeah, I think you should probably be um, looking at sacrificing one of the two city midfielders. I feel like, you know, the, if I was to pick one, I would sell Sterling because he'll free up even more budget for you. Um, if I was to pick a second player, I would probably sacrifice Iguain to try and get a Bamiyang in if you don't have him already. Yeah, I think Son and Aubameyang are perhaps the, the two players that we're saying bring in. And, you know, if you've got Sterling and Sterling, by all means, get rid of one of those for sure. Higuain as well, I'd probably think about selling as well. Maybe you'd, you'd hang on to Hazard and you'd hang on to one of the Manchester City players. But, um, yeah, I think um, for FPL Chelsea, I think Son is, is pretty critical. So if, if you don't have anyone else to sell, obviously you might have Pogba and Salah already. Um, I don't think you should be selling either of those guys. I'd probably say that Hazard is, is the one to sell in the midfield because of the fixtures and because of the blank, even though he is very likely to troll you, as I've said before. Uh, but anyway, um, the next question is about Wolves, um, the Wolves in motion. Um, at Will Bill 2003, he's asked us on opinions on triple Wolves. Should we be tripling up on uh, Yotta, Jimenez and Doherty? Perhaps even Mutino, who we mentioned earlier. Some, some dude named Tom, not sure who he is, said, how important is Jimenez now? Uh, OK, I'll answer that one first. Jimenez is pretty important. Like He is probably the top scoring player in that uh mid-priced, I'm going to call, call it mid-priced striker bracket as it stands. He's probably uh, taken over to the throne from Callan Wilson, who was scoring quite well in maybe the first 15-odd game weeks of the season. So I think, yes, definitely Jimenez is very important. I would not say that uh, Diogo Jota is that important to me, uh, whereas I do think that Matt Doherty continues to be a revelation there at, um, on the wing. And so I would be keeping him. So no, opinions on the triple pretty much be, no, don't triple, just stick with the double. Uh, At the end of the day, it still was. They do still have an FA Cup campaign to deal with at the same time. So I think that two is plenty. Yeah, two probably seems to do the right amount of Wolves players. But, you know, their fixtures are pretty good. They've got Newcastle at home up next. And it's Bournemouth away, Huddersfield away and then Cardiff at home for Chelsea and Arsenal. But those next four are really exciting. I think definitely um, not only Jimenez starting to get a little bit scary. I mean, his ownership is 28.7%. It's a lot higher in the top 100k. So if he scores, then you're going to get punished. And, and you know, he should be one of those players that we can afford and, and bring into our team. So, you know, I've got Danny Ings. I could potentially 
Um, if I'm if I'm not going to do an Aubameyang type move, I could potentially use that the funds um, that I got from Sterling to Son to um, to do things uh, for Jimenez quite comfortably um, as an option, um, which I you know haven't decided on 100% what I'm going to do as I said, but it's definitely um, a player that I should be considering quite heavily, especially considering the, the form the Wolves are in. I think I feel like they're definitely sort of like the seventh best team at the moment in time. Everton have been um, pretty shocking in terms of their performances. Um, I haven't won in ages. Um, West Ham, very mercurial. But Wolves, I think, definitely have um, impressed me a lot. Uh, Doherty's been brilliant for my team as well. He's been a revelation in defence. Uh, picking him up um, for 4.4 feels like the barking of the season, really, to be honest. Absolutely, yeah. No, he has really been um, definitely in the top five for surprise packages this season. I think as well, just if you're looking at Wolves, you do have to consider the fact of how likely they are to have a blank in game week 31. All they have to do is beat Shrewsbury on uh, Tuesday uh, in the FA Cup replay, and they're pretty likely to do that. I think we would all agree. Yeah, I think that's definitely worth factoring that for certain. Um, That's a good point, obviously when you're thinking about tripling up on teams like Wolves, you know, we've talked yeah. about, I think, Liverpool being a team that you should be considering, um, considering the, no blanks, uh, but then also Bournemouth and Leicester as well. And um, I'm quite a big fan of Ricardo Pereira, who, who's a really good option in that defence. Absolutely. Actually, do you know what? When you speak about Ricardo Pereira, since I have some stats prepped and we just didn't quite get to them, just in terms of Ricardo Pereira and Leicester defenders in general, I would have thought the Pereira was the one to get, thinking, you know, considering that he is, you know, the top for defenders for goal attempts in the last six with 10 matched only by guess nick um maguire then Callum chambers has Callum chambers so, amount so. of goal attempts in the <laughs> but i wouldn't be recommending bringing him in the fact of the matter is that ricardo Pereira, seven of his 10 shots actually have come from outside the box meanwhile teammate harry maguire something hmm. right actually has more attempts in the box than ricardo he's had five in uh, those last six games. So and Maguire is actually second of all defenders for touches in the opposition area since game week 20. So that's roughly three per game. He's beaten only by Said Kalasinac. So Harry Maguire <laughs> looking like a serious threat all of a sudden. Of course, the eye test means that you you always pick him up at corners and things with your own eye because you'd be keeping an eye on him, you know, knowing what he, his ability at set piece and the fact that he'd be targeted. But he's get being hit an awful lot more from those set pieces lately than he perhaps was earlier in the season. And he's looking like one hell of a threat. Yeah, I think we were talking a little bit earlier on our Slack group and a few of the guys was saying perhaps uh, Maguire should be um, thought about, maybe even Ben Chilwell as well. He's been relatively creative. I think yeah. at one point he was one of the leading creators in the Premier League as well. So he'd be another one to perhaps consider, you know, so there's a few options actually in the Leicester defence. And it'd be, um, especially for that run, it'd be yeah worth considering them for certain. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the final question uh, for this, this game week is uh, from Harry Haslam. Um, he's asked us uh, for our key players in each position. So maybe we should just reel off uh, one player in each position. And uh, I don't know if you've got any picks. We could start perhaps with the goalkeepers, I think. Um, I've been pretty happy, to be honest, with um, with Fabianski. He's, he's created more saves than any other goalkeeper all season. He's uh, you know quite kindly priced at 4.6 million. But I, I think it's worth giving a quick shout out to David De Gea, David De Gea and Dave's saves. So, you know, he's he's really turned up the gear in the last few game weeks. And, uh, you know, he got an 11-pointer against Leicester. Frustratingly, again, when they played Spurs, he picked up a 12-pointer as well. It was just unbelievable in that game. And, uh, yeah, he, with Manchester United fixture run, he, he should be worth considering as well, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. In that goalkeeper bracket, if I was to kind of break it down pretty simply, if you're looking at an elite option goalkeeper, it's got to be De Gea. If that more mid 
price thing. I think it's Fabianski, and if you need someone cheap, there's Barich there still. Yeah, definitely. Barich is an interesting one as well, especially considering Bournemouth don't have any uh, blank game weeks. So um, yeah, I'm, you'll, not, you'll, I'm not too certain how mailed he is. Yeah. To be you'll honest. pick up some save points. Yeah, I, I'm not too set on that either. That is the one thing about Fabianski is that, you know, we've now have West Ham who are kind of struggling, but then he picks up save points. And when they're not, you know, he picks up his clean sheets. So Fabianski just seems to be a man for all weather. Yeah, for sure. I think um, in terms of the defenders, um, he's, he's been a bit quiet, unfortunately, last co- a couple of game weeks. Uh, but um, I still go with um, Andrew Robertson as uh, sort of the premium defender, the best defender to own. He's just been an absolute superstar in that Liverpool defence. Um, six assists, 13 clean sheets, and he's got a propensity for bonus points as well. He's, he's the top-scoring defender in FPL at the moment. And, uh, yeah, it's been a revelation. Been in my team since the start of the season, so naturally I, I'm, I'm feeling quite attached to him. But, um, you know, no blanks for Liverpool the rest of the season, so he may even be there until the end. Likewise, him being my game week one pick and I have an awful lot of value tied up in him, Andy Robertson has to be the standout one, just based on what I've just told you a second ago. I think I'd be putting Harry Maguire in there in second and then super cheap option, Benarek 4.0. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Um, midfielders are probably going to be ultra boring um, and, you know, wind people up by saying, oh, most others, you know, the superstar, whilst, whilst Hazard's a poopy butthole, who's only got 18 points less than most Salah, and most Salah's a superstar, you know, but he, he still is the main man. I think, though, actually, I'd worth, um, you know, talking a little bit about Pogba as well. Pogba's just been an absolute revelation, perhaps even better value for money than Salah now, at 8.6 million. And, you know, he's now matching Salah for goal attempts. I'm, I'm very tempted to give him that captaincy against Fulham uh, for the next fixture. Yeah, I can understand that totally. Maybe to you know add another name, we've only discussed him about a hundred times in this pod already. But Son would definitely be in that discussion. And then looking at slightly cheaper options, uh, I'd be considering Ryan Fraser, considering Bournemouth don't have blanks, and the uh, emerging Southampton duo that we spoke about earlier broadly in the market forces section: Nathan Redmond and James Ward Prowse, both of whom have actually been doing well. And you know who's actually been doing quite well is Andros Townsend. Um, it's not quite a recommendation, but it's definitely something to note. So it's so Townsend and uh, James Ward's Prowston. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Yeah. <laughs> bye, 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 exactly. Uh, finally, uh, just quickly covering the forwards. Um, so I think still for me, I think Rashford's um, the main man in the forward line for my team. He's, he's very kindly priced. Um, still only 7.7. And like Pogby, he's been brilliant since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came into um, play. But obviously, I think... Um, Jimenez as well, who we just talked about, worth mentioning. Um, and then it's, I think it's just between Aguero and Aubameyang as well. I think Aguero, there is that rotation risk. Aubameyang, he can be a bit flighty, but they've both been really good this season as well. Yeah, st- uh, maybe throw in stats sleuth, uh, Ashley Barnes, who you guys have discussed a little bit on the pod previously. But his understand his underlying stats remain fantastic. He's to- he's at the top table in recent weeks for shots in the box. He's had more than any player actually since game week twenty, and he's top in both xG, um, which is including penalties, and xG from open play over that period too. Three goals in his last five Premier League games, pretty decent at his price point. Yeah, definitely worth considering for sure. Five points behind um, Danny Ings, who's just been a horrendous, horrendous purchase on my bar. <laughs> oh, I've kicked and definitely one I'm very much looking forward to getting rid of because he doesn't, he can't complete a game. But anyway, um, 
we'll go on to the transfers and captains um, in a second. But um, yeah, there's a theme every week, of course. Uh, it was a Disney theme last game week. Uh, well done to Andy Goodland, uh, John O'Forward, who were uh, first to get there. But yeah, so transfers and captains. Um, do you want to start then, Stag? Yeah, fine. Yeah, uh, my transfer is most likely going to be Sergio Aguero out, Aubameyang in. My captaincy as yet undecided, but uh, I could be. I think I'll be swayed away from captaining Salah this game week um, after Liverpool's disappointing performance yet again. I might join you in Man United, but I think I'd go for Rashford rather than Pogba if I was going to for the two, uh, or I might just you know cap just go for the always captain a player playing Huddersfield and just stick with Aubameyang and see how that goes. Yeah, I think for me, the captaincy is between Salah. I think Salah's the auto-captain, as we've discussed before. They've got Bournemouth at home now. So, you know, he got a hat-trick away against him. He could easily smash him. Um, at home, though, um, with the most recent performances from Salah, I'm starting to feel reticent again about the captaincy. Maybe I'm fancying a, a bit of a pun on Pogba. So I'll, I'll make my mind up on that one. I'm not 100% sure of this, um, what I'm going to do, to be honest. Um, in terms of the transfers, and so one of the City boys will definitely go. Um, whether it's Sonny or Sterling, not sure. And and Son will come in. Um, I'm tempted, like I said, by a minus eight, <laughs> getting rid of Ings um, for Bamiyang and funding that as well. Getting rid of the Chelsea or City um, defender that I've got um, to sort of, you know, make sure I've got a, you know, full eleven for the for the blank. But um, not certain on that. I might even just do a minus four and just do Ings to Jimenez because Ings is um, injured as well. So I probably need to get rid of him. I've still got David Brooks in my team as well. So I'm going through a little bit of an injury crisis. I'm probably going to have to take a hit to, to get 11 players for the next game week anyway. So, you know, maybe a minus four is on the cards for this particular game week. Um, we'll wait and you're see. Not, wait you're, not some, you're not somewhat tempted by a wild card and then um, forcing yourself into like some of the most complex planning possible to get through 32, 34 and 35? Oh, no, I think that's a bit too much for me at this moment in time. <laughs> I'm probably going to leave the wild cards. Um, in its box for the set, for this moment in time, even though, you know, you could easily go for it and, and get the old spreadsheets out, but um, not straight away. So just to say who we are, um, we are Who Got The Assist. Um, you can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. You can... Find us online at whogottheassist.com. And if you want to join our league, the league code is 516-441. I was joined today uh, by Stag, um, at FPL Stag on Twitter, if you want to give him a follow, well worth it. Um, Stag, thank you very much for joining myself today. It's, it's always a pleasure to have you on the pod. Oh, absolute pleasure to be on. It's really good to be here, Nick. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be back um, after game week 26, where Tom will be returning from his FPL detox, ready and prepared for the rest of the season. So um, thank you all for listening, and, and we hope this assists you. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.